0: to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Welcome to the Cybertraps podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington. I'm the founder of the B Podcast Network and author of the books School X and How to Be a Transformative Principal. I am a former principal at all levels of K-12 education.
1: Greetings everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently, Cyber Traps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cyber Traps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and misuse of digital devices.
0: Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org.
1: The Cybertraps podcast is the production of the Center for Cyberethics, a 501c3 independent, nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyberethics as a positive social force through research, curricula development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. All of which Jethro will be talking about tonight. Isn't that fascinating? Well, it is it is good. We have our uh, Center for Cyber Ethics board meeting not too long after this podcast is recorded. And uh, I got to say, it's a great opportunity to talk to the people who are working with us on the board and to start laying some plans for the fall and the upcoming year.
0: Yeah, I am really grateful to have people who care about this and are interested in it. And if you are listening, then you must also be interested and care about this. <laughs> And so you should reach out to us and say, Jethro, Fred, how can I be involved? Because we'd love to have you join us in this work. And we need all the help we can get because this is a massive, massive undertaking.
1: Well, and you could have just stopped at, we need all the help we can get. (laughs) (laughs) Would have been more than sufficient. But in any case, um, we certainly do encourage people to, uh, approach us with ideas of issues they care about ways in which they might be willing to help us do this um obviously if you just want to click the donate button that's fine by us as well so yeah all good we'll take that too all right so our episode today jethro is oh man uh
0: you, you titled this to catch creep which i i like and i think is good and it underscores uh some some nuance to what we're talking about So what happened is that students at Davisville Middle School in North Kingstown, Rhode Island, set up a Discord channel to document inappropriate behavior by their teacher. Now
1: there's a lot to unpack in that. (laughs) Yes,
0: (laughs) I was just going to say that's the headline. But let's talk a little bit more about this, because um, there there's a lot going on here and we want to to set up a few things before we even start talking about it though um number one kids are not and should not be the ones bearing all of the responsibility for catching a creep which is what some of that nuance there is is that this really relied on kids to document and to report the things that they were seeing in a way that was undeniable that they couldn't they couldn't brush it off as idle kids just being kids you know they had to take
1: or making trouble or yeah Yeah. right exactly so yeah there's there's a real backstory here to this particular headline and i you know i do feel like it's an opportunity for me to give a shout out to my hometown newspaper the boston globe Uh, The Providence Journal from Providence, Rhode Island, has been very active in reporting on this school district. Uh, This is very much in my backyard, Jethro. You know, I grew up in Southeastern Massachusetts. Uh, I have family living in Rhode Island now, so I know this area a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, boy, these stories are just challenging. And I think as we walk through what's going on in North Kingstown, One of the takeaways we'll talk about at the end is is really a lesson you and I talk about for teachers as a whole, which is to say that if something goes wrong in how you behave professionally, it's going to open a can of worms. You know, people are going to start going through your social media. In the case of a school district, they're going to start doing public records and they're going to do court case searches and stuff will emerge. And in North Kingstown, you know, we've got the headline of what the kids were doing, and we'll get, that, we'll get to that in a moment. But this was already a district that was facing some serious concerns about how adults and administrators were dealing with potential problems in the district.
0: Well, and this is a big issue about how you deal with these situations, because it is 100% wrong and you have to take a stand against it and if you allow things to keep going on or there are open secrets that everybody knows about but nobody does anything about all that does is invite other people to behave in the same way and that is just not okay and those are things that need to be stopped and it is incumbent on the leadership of the school district and the individual schools to be clear about these things not being allowed to happen. Now, I wanna share a quick story about that because I was in a district and there was a teacher who did something that I thought was incredibly inappropriate. And I wanted to come down on that teacher and say, this is not how we do things. And when I took it to my superintendent, the superintendent said, well, the current union president has done much worse things than that. And we have never disciplined her for that therefore we can't do anything about this because we won't be whatever we do to discipline the person won't stick because the the union president has gotten away with worse things before and they'll say you can't discipline this person for this because you didn't discipline me for that in the past
1: that that is an awful precedent (laughs) awful (laughs) right (laughs) horrible it is that is not good I mean, talk about creating a culture of uh, acceptance, a, a culture of condoning. What a, I mean, what a miserable way to run things.
0: I know, right? It's it's awful. So it sounds like this same kind of thing was happening here in Kingstown. And well, there was certainly so – Tell us something right? about that.
1: Right. right. And to be clear, North Kingstown. North <laughs> Kingstown, sorry. I didn't know there I, was
0: a South or regular Kingstown.
1: I'm, I can't say for dead certain, we can Google map it at some point, but uh, just in case, we don't want to have angry emails from Kingstown saying, hey, not our problem, dude. Yes, good point. <laughs> so anyway, the, the, the turning a blind eye thing that you're referring to, Jethro, is a situation that first hit the news back in April uh, 2022 with North Kingstown. And basically what happened was that a couple of different lawsuits were filed against the district and a bunch of individuals connected with the district, alleging that a former coach used to require his basketball players to strip naked. And then he would use calipers, which are a way of measuring body fat. He would use calipers on their body oftentimes quite close to their genitals as a quote-unquote body fat check and that he was ostensibly doing this to make sure that they were as fit as they needed to be to encourage them to work out so on and so forth and not surprisingly it made many of the players deeply uncomfortable to have their coach doing this but Here's the coercion part within that power dynamic, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is that these are kids who are trying to get a spot on the team. They're trying to get playing time from the sky, from the coach. And so they don't feel like they're in a position to say anything about this. And so, you know, this is where the open secret comes in, you know, where kids obviously talk about this. Um, some sort of tried to laugh it off as kind of a hazing thing in a way, or a, how tough are you kind of thing. Um, but, you know, really it's wildly inappropriate for a, a non-medically trained coach to be doing this, presumably non-medically trained, but uh, you know, it just, it's, it's such a invasion of the player's privacy. So, you know, as the complaints began to emerge in 2017 and 2018, you began to get a lot of those kinds of comments that you were talking about, Jethro, being well. That's just Coach Thomas. That's the way he runs his program. Uh, that kind of thing. Um, you know, don't really, uh, don't really worry about it. Uh, just go along with it. That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and that's a real problem because when when kids are coerced into doing that or this is just how this teacher or coach is, then it sets everybody up for failure to not have um, to not be taken care of and looked after and treated with the respect that they should be treated with. And in this particular situation, um, the 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 act of kids feeling like they can't say anything because they'll lose playing time is not a made up thing that's a real thing that sure you you're not going to get playing time if you are a troublemaker or causing problems and that's just what is is the reality and if you're perceived that way even if you're standing up for what's right you still take the risk of not being able to do the thing one that you love and two that could be providing you a real future um if you are you know, at a level where you're good enough. And sometimes it takes those people who are good enough that it doesn't matter what the coach says or does that they're going to have a bright future. It sometimes takes those people to exercise even more courage and stand up for what is right. Even though that is still very challenging for them.
1: That's a really good way to put it Jethro. And, and you know, for me personally, I didn't play team sports in high school because I simply wasn't good enough to do that. I ran cross country, which is, you know, very individualistic. (laughs) And whether whether you get playing time is purely a function of how fast you are. So there's there's a lot less going on there. Um, But I certainly had classmates who were faced with that dynamic. And to the best of my knowledge, nothing like this occurred. But, um, you know, I, I know that they felt pressure to be as favorably viewed by the coach as possible and you can really see how that dynamic could go sour which it clearly well we shouldn't say clearly which it allegedly did in north kingstown
0: yeah so let's um let's move on to the case at hand there's more here in the in the in the show notes unless there's something else that you feel like we really need to to highlight before we move on
1: well that's a that's a great point the only thing that i'd like to highlight of our educational audience is that the lawsuit, as I said, um, is it includes North Kingstown as the defendant, but then it also names individual school committee members, the finance director for North Kingstown, Uh, the former district superintendent, uh, Philip Auger, and the former high school principal and assistant superintendent, Denise Mancieri. So, you know, for those of you who are serving as administrators, um, you need to be aware that if something really does go south and there's harm to children, uh, there's there's a real possibility that your name will end up on a lawsuit like this. And, And even if you're ultimately relieved of any culpability, there's still the cost of defending yourself, there's the disruption, so on and so forth. So you know the takeaway from that is to try to confront potentially harmful situations fully and as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah and and to that point, uh, lawyers have counseled us as principals, numerous times that when there is a lawsuit that they are going to name everybody they possibly can to (laughs) uh to make sure that people are paying attention and listen to it so that is not uh if you do ever get named on a lawsuit as a tangential person uh, you should not be um so worried that you can't sleep or that it's all about you because if you're doing what's right then you can get off of that lawsuit pretty quickly is, is how our the lawyers that have talked to me about that have, have mentioned that. So, uh, that being said, it's still scary yeah. because nobody wants to be on a lawsuit. <laughs> right. So that's, uh, that's a reality right.
1: there. And, and right. And you don't want, exactly. And, and again, you know, as, as, has happened with many educators that I've interviewed or, or written about in cyber traps for educators, you know, the problem with the internet is the, the, the follow-up stories don't get ranked as high as the initial stories, right? So, you know, by way of example, one of the classic examples that has gone through, you know, several editions of my book is uh, the assistant principal down in Virginia, who was accused by the local state attorney of mishandling uh, of an underage girl and he was ultimately you know, uh, dismissed from the lawsuit and uh, recompensed by the school board to the tune of $167,000 in legal fees. But when you search his name, the original charges yep. are at the top of the search results and yeah. he'll never get away from that.
0: Yep, for sure.
1: Yeah. So <sighs> handling things correctly the first time is a big, <laughs> big deal. <Yeah. laughs> Take the time
0: to do it right, yes. Right, which
1: does bring us to the case that that is the bulk of the show, or at the heart of the show, which in the um, investigation around Coach Thomas and and what he was doing with his measuring devices, um, word emerged that a group of students had maintained a log of comments made by a different teacher slash coach that they felt were threatening or insulting or just creepy towards middle school girls. And number one, I think that these kids really deserve a shout out because these are sixth and seventh grade boys who are looking at the way their adult teacher is behaving towards their female classmates. And they number one recognize that it's not right, and then number two, they decide that they're going to do something about it. And you know, in this particular case, and given the set of facts, there's no question that they acted honorably and uh, admirably. I think in terms of trying to protect people that they cared about. Um, we'll talk about what could be wrong with this whole scenario towards the end, but at least in terms of this particular situation. Uh, these kids were on the side of the angels. So what they did um, was to begin taking notes. um, And, you know, there were a handful of them, I guess, six or eight boys were kind of talking amongst each other or talking with each other about what was going on. But then the pandemic hit and they started going remote. And so these little tech, Bros or tech geniuses, whatever you want to call them, normal they, kids. Normal. Oh well, fine. Normal kids. Right? I'm just revealing my age here. So, in any case, these kids decided they would set up a Discord sub channel, and we can talk about what that is in a minute. Um, they named the Discord sub channel after the teacher, and then they also uh, labeled it "pedo diary." And, you know, for those of you not up in your current slang, it's, obvi- it's fairly obvious, but pedo is short for pedophile, which is how they viewed this teacher's behavior. And they would literally sit in their rooms and they would have a split screens or they'd have two tabs open or parallel windows or whatever they were doing. And on the left-hand side, say, they would be participating in class and watching their teacher and listening to what he said. And on the right-hand side, they'd be taking notes in this Discord channel about things that they felt were inappropriate or were upsetting uh, to their classmates. And I, I just think, boy, it's like CSI, you know, What reading about what these kids were doing. So at some point, the attorney who's representing the plaintiffs against Coach Thomas caught wind of this and filed uh, various statements with investigators and with the U.S. Attorney's Office, which is investigating North Kingstown's approach to all of this, and the Globe caught wind of it. And once the Globe caught wind of it, they interviewed the kid who set up the Discord subchannel. And it's, it's really a fascinating article because it number one underscores how incredibly easy it was for these kids to collaborate in this way. And then number two, it it really gets to the values piece of it about why the boys were uncomfortable with how this teacher was behaving, let alone, you know, the young women who were targeted by him.
0: Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors.
1: And looking at the
0: uh, a screenshot that you shared in the notes that we'll, that we'll put out there also, um, shows that some of those things don't even look that bad. But then when you think about how long this may have been going on and how much it was happening uh, day in and day out, that totality of evidence really does make you think of a different type of story that could be going on here. And so I, I agree, kudos to these kids for doing something about it. Kudos to them for documenting it. Um, So that in a way that that does, like I mentioned before, makes it hard to refute and ignore because um, we don't know exactly the start date and the end date of that database. However, they they do have several different um, juveniles named in there that are that are blocked out in the screenshot we have. So you don't know what their names are, but then it goes on, you know, several different comments over the course of just a couple days that's there. And that's a really concerning, concerning thing to have have that going on. And I I appreciate that the kids did something, and um, and it's good that that something was done so that they could have a recourse to do something about it. Uh, it does remind me of a story of um, from two thousand seventeen in uh, Kansas, I believe it was, where some kids uh, were concerned about the principal that was hired for their high school. And the school newspaper did some investigative reporting to see what was why this was so weird. This is it. This took place in Kansas. And um, and then after investigating, then the principal that was hired resigned because it looked like she wasn't being honest in in her credentials. (laughs) And I mean, I just love this idea of kids saying. Something's fishy, and we're going to figure out what's going on uh, in both of these stories. And I actually interviewed the superintendent of that district about what happened um, for the Transformative Leadership Summit that I put on that year. And and when I asked him about it, he said, you know, this is us trying really hard to give our kids real-world experiences, and it's not just investigative journalism, but it's also the welding program, the plumbing program that they have, the CTE, other CTE programs that they have where they want kids to have real experiences. And he said, yeah, it was embarrassing for me to have hired this person and then have it, you know, turn around and have these kids show that uh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But he, he took ownership and said he was grateful for the kids for being um, investigating that and not getting the wool pulled over their eyes and what a neat opportunity for for those kids to have that real experience of doing something again shouldn't be their responsibility but grateful that they stepped up to the to the challenge
1: well and i'm really glad you included that particular example jethro because it's a perfect bookend to what appears to have taken place in kingstown right where north kingstown right my mistake right all right <laughs> <laughs> bingo you know sooner or later it was going to happen uh, so what appears to have happened in north kingstown in which it's not clear that anybody was taking ownership of anything you know until they were literally forced to do so and yeah. so you know i i hope people can really reflect on these two different approaches and and take some lessons from it now All of this being said, I think, you know, when we talk about the concept of cyber traps and and what's going on in this particular case, you know, we do need to look at a couple of different issues. I think one of the key takeaways for administrators and for educators, which we've talked about in the past, is that technology is dramatically changing the power dynamic in the school environment. And you know, you, yeah. these are great examples of how administrators and educators can't necessarily control the narrative the way they used to be able to before all of this technology wound up in the hands of kids, right? Now kids can really help to set their own narrative or challenge the narrative that the school is putting out, like this principal is qualified.
0: Yeah, and, and in this situation with the Discord channel, what you have there are time-stamped um, notes about when things happened. Which, in any investigation, having those time-stamped notes of when things happened and what the chron- the chronology, the mm-hmm. the actual things that people are reporting happened. You know, it's one thing to say, "Well, the teacher said a bunch of inappropriate things." Well, what were those inappropriate things? Well, I don't remember, but they made me feel uncomfortable. Okay, <laughs> that that's right. That's not right and I'm sorry that you feel that way but if you don't have anything to say what it was then you know as the adult I can't do anything to help out there and say you know this kind of stuff is inappropriate and and we can have you know bigger broader talks about what is appropriate and what's not but so many times kids would come to me and say this didn't this didn't make me feel good And it was, it was rarely enough that I could actually do something about it. And anytime it was enough that I could do something about it, I was happy to be able to do something because, you know, getting two kids to say the same thing happened, you'd be amazed at how difficult that is.
1: Right. Well, that I think is, is a great thing for people to think about. Another thing that people should think about in terms of, the sophistication of kids in, in using technology is that um, yeah this is something that's gotten a fair amount of publicity in the Boston Globe but just think without even even being able to effectively research this think how far this story has spread on Discord um, over you know voice over IP and in video games as people are playing you know the the ability of kids to distribute information with techniques and with strategies on how to deal with different situations is immensely more powerful these days than it used to be. Now, that power, of course, can be misused by kids. I mean, one of the things that I talk about from the early days of the World Wide Web and so forth is that if you had kids who were out to get a teacher who were trying to be vindictive or or harassing towards that teacher... They would set up fake websites or fake social media accounts and populate those online spaces with material that was designed to make it look like a teacher was inappropriately interested in young girls or young boys or both. And so there's, there is that profound potential for misuse. And obviously, you want to make sure that kids understand the difference between advocacy and vigilantism. Uh, So, you know, that's an ongoing lesson, I think, for educators and administrators to provide to students. But, you know, the reality is that we need to grapple as educators and as school communities with the capabilities that kids have and, and hopefully steer them towards the light as opposed to the dark
0: yeah absolutely and that's something that like the the program called cyber cyber patriot through the united states air force is a way to help kids Mm -hmm. get involved in technology and using uh, advanced technological tools but to do it for a good purpose and teach them ethics as they're doing that and and that kind of a program i think is really beneficial to to have a, a way to teach kids how to how to make good choices now as you mentioned if somebody falsely accuses someone of something or creates this uh, pedo database for someone who is not doing those things it can be incredibly harmful and it's important to recognize that um kids are not you know the documentation is helpful and beneficial but they're not professional documentarians and they're they're not including the context around these things that were said they're not including you know, why they, the teacher may have said those things. They're, they're basically, in my opinion, looking for any evidence that supports their claim that this person likes young girls. And, and that's where, you know, when, when you have those filters on, then you, you are not biased. You are very, I'm sorry, you are not unbiased. You are very biased in what you're specifically looking for. And you can twist things to be inappropriate that that might not be intended that way or that are very much not intended that way and sometimes people say things that are are inappropriate and they don't mean to but the reality <laughs> is is if you are it you know if if you're not if you're accusing someone of something that they're not really doing that's very damaging and harmful um but if you're seeing it and it's there's evidence there then You know, this this could result in a boy, this is not appropriate behavior, but it's not fireball offenses, Um, or it could be this is awful and there's there's criminal intent behind it and and, you know, we could throw the book at this person and knowing where this particular case is we still don't know the
1: answer to that well. That's true. And and it's going to take a little while for all of this to, as we used to say in Vermont, sugar off to a result that we can (laughs) actually, we can actually discuss further, but that actually Jethro does lead very neatly into one other topic that has emerged from this particular case, which is that the educator who is the subject of the discord channel um, was eventually removed from the North Kingstown district, but wound up working in two other school districts in Rhode Island and is currently still licensed as an educator in the state. Now, you know, obviously there's due process concerns. Everybody is entitled to, you know, the, the appropriate process and an opportunity to defend themselves. But you know, it, it does raise serious questions about this uh, broader issue of, quote unquote, passing the trash, which is a phrase, obviously, yeah. that refers to allowing educators to move on uh, without necessarily charges or a bad employment record being created. And I do want to give a shout out to an organization that I've been on the board of for a while called Uh, Sesame, Stop Educator Sexual Abuse, Misconduct and Exploitation, because this is a topic that they're very concerned about. They've been working uh, on legislative solutions in different states around the country. And I I think it it is an important topic because if you've got someone who has, well, it's a a hard, it, it is an important topic that can be challenging to deal with because how serious do concerns need to be and what is the mechanism for providing those to potential future employers without unfairly discriminating against someone who may have just been misunderstood Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's very difficult to to balance and understand um, all the different things that that could go into it and that's why it's important for us to not jump to conclusions. I appreciate in this story that the name of the teacher was not released, for example, mm-hmm. which right. often does get out, and um, and I'm grateful that that didn't happen, so that that person could have some due process and have some opportunities to, you know, defend themselves and and work through that before they are you know publicly shamed for. For this whole situation, and the, those are things that you know we we want to have happen, but we also don't want those people still in our schools with kids, you know, <laughs> and and That's so we true. need to get rid of them. Uh, and uh, when they are when they are guilty of these things, and and put things in place to make sure that they're that they're not going to be back in front of kids in the future.
1: Well, the New York school system, um, or at least the New York City school system, which, of course, is enormous because there's a million odd kids or something like that in the, in the school district. Um, but they have the infamous, um, quote unquote, rubber rooms, they're called. Yeah. So that if there are allegations that are serious enough, that teachers basically will be assigned to a nominal classroom, but it's, it's literally just for them to sit there, you know, while an investigation takes place. And that's not always practical in a smaller district. Um, And you, you know, in a smaller district too, I I certainly know this from Burlington that, you know, you, you have a lot more intense pressure oftentimes from parents to come up with a a quote unquote solution to a problem teacher. Uh, sooner rather than later, which is how some of this passing, I think, does occur.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely challenging, and especially with a teacher shortage that we have now, it's it's more mm-hmm. more challenging as well for for those things to to happen because we need bodies in the classrooms, and I yeah, say all the time point. to principals, <laughs> you you can't settle and you can't just take whoever is there you have to find the best people and help and and wait for the best people to show up and not just you know take take someone because they're you know just because they're looking for a job right now
1: what was the old expression warm body good check you know for for <laughs> yeah. some colleges that was all the admissions they needed so, yeah you know i think yeah i certainly you know the the pressures that are being faced by by school districts and individual schools are absolutely intense, but this should be a good example of the risks that can arise if people are not paying attention to how teachers are interacting with students and are simply focused on whether or not they've got a body at the front of the classroom. Yeah,
0: for sure. Excellent point. Great, great conversation,
1: Fred. Thank you, as always. Uh, same to you, Jethro. I really enjoy doing this. So let us wrap up our conversation with our usual, usual exit stuff. Um, as we have said in the past, that wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we'll continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to a growing collection of international experts who are helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology.
0: You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have guest question or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter and get involved in the Center for Ethics, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have loved this show please leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate having you here and look forward to having you join us on our next episode. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and
1: learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.